0: Thank you for being our rescuer. God, thank you for being our deliverer. Thank you for being our savior. Thank you for being our God. Father, as we turn now to scripture, as we read these moments from the last last moments of Jesus' life as he hangs on the cross, take these ancient words, this story that changed lives in the moment and still changes lives today and change our lives with it today. Change our lives. Teach us who you are through it today. Teach us how to love better. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You can be seated. Hey, once again, let me welcome you to Faith Christian. Glad that you're here and we get to spend this time together. got a couple things we need to mention just kind of by way of announcement, some housekeeping uh, before we get into our sermon time this morning. want to remind you that next Sunday is Easter and we are, uh, we've got some great plans and looking forward to celebrating the resurrection together. Hope that you will be here. We'll be here at 9 o'clock and 10.30. We will be live streaming both those services, but we hope that you will be able to be here with us in person. Uh, one, or as I said, the first service, if you're feeling frisky, come twice next week. It's alright. Uh, we're going to have a great time celebrating the resurrection of Jesus on Easter. Uh, next Sunday morning, 9 o'clock and 10.30. And then the Sunday after that, two weeks from today, uh, we are going to begin our uh, month-long celebration between uh, uh, April and uh, we'll celebrate all the way till, uh, till November, so just before Thanksgiving. We'll be celebrating the 25th anniversary of Faith Christian Church. And We're kicking that off with a special Sunday on April 24th. That's two weeks from today. Uh, One service only that week, so our 9 o'clock service won't be happening. We will be meeting at 1030, but we would encourage you to come before, come a little early, We've got some donuts and coffee and just some time to to sit around and tell some stories and look at some pictures about where we've been and begin, during the 1030 service, begin telling the story of how this church came to be and kind of the story of where this church is headed uh, into the next 25 years and beyond, and we want you to be a part of that. It's going to be a special service that Sunday morning at 10 30. We'll be worshiping around tables, and once the service is over, we're actually going to eat breakfast together. So it's going to be a wonderful time. You're not going to want to miss it. Um, you're going to get one of these as you leave this morning. This is an invitation, uh, just a reminder for you to, that this is going to happen. But We would love for you to give this to someone and invite them to come with you on that April 24th day. We think it's going to be a lot of fun, and we hope that you will be here. As a part of that, if by chance, if you think about it, if you might have some old pictures from some church stuff from back through the years, Maybe an old vacation Bible school or a CIY trip that you went on. Um, uh, uh, just just an event maybe that we participated with as a church. If you've got some pictures at your house, if you could either email them to us if they're on digital or, or just uh, find that old shoebox with the pictures on them, bring them in, put your name on the back of them, let us scan those and turn those into digital. We would love to uh, to kind of have those as a collection as we kind of walk through our history over the next several months. So if you could help us with that, uh, please do. And just uh, you can see me after the service, let me know, and I'll let you know how you can get those to us the easiest way way. I also want to mention to you, especially if you have a middle school or high school student in your life, that tonight for our faith student ministry, tonight at 6 o'clock, our middle school and high school students are having an Easter egg hunt. And I think uh, Noah's got a lot of special things planned for our uh, middle school and high school students tonight, at our faith students' time. That begins at 6 o'clock. We are in this sermon series, been in for the last six weeks, that we're calling Potholes and kind of what we're doing in this series and we've been doing is we've been walking with jesus through the last week of his life we call it the passion week it's the week that begins on on well today on palm sunday the week that jesus rides into the city and it concludes with jesus being crucified on friday and then being uh, resurrected on sunday we follow jesus from the 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 entry into the city all the way to the cross to the tomb and ultimately through the grave well today we're going to walk with jesus To a hill just outside the city of jerusalem and we're walking with jesus today to the moment that jesus died on the cross the cross is the single most recognizable image on the planet and today i want to talk about why because something happened during those six hours that jesus hung on the cross something happened that changed the heart's and the lives of the people who were there who watched it happen and something happened on the cross that still changes hearts and lives of those of us who hear this story today so i want to just give you some things as we kind of walk into this passion week together as we celebrate in all of its different ways this week as you consider, I hope this week, the cross, as we prepare to celebrate the resurrection next week, I just want to give you um, so, some things that, that I think you need to know as we consider the cross. Here's the first thing I think that you need to know you need to know that Jesus' death was an expected death. Here's what I mean. Um, that's about three years ago now, I think, I got a call from my mom. A mom called to tell me that my great Aunt Louise had passed away. And my response to the passing of my great Aunt Louise was, Oh. You see, I wasn't surprised. My Aunt Louise was 102 years old when she died. It was kind of expected. We kind of knew it was going to happen. Well, Jesus died when he was just 33 years old. His followers and his family, they were stunned by his death. That one so good could be taken so young but jesus had actually if anybody had been paying attention jesus had actually been teaching about his upcoming death for quite some time and he would remind his disciples and his followers he would remind them that he would die and he would tell them why he was going to die you see the cross was not some tragic political accident jesus intentionally came to earth To sacrifice himself for our sin That was his mission That was his purpose But long before Jesus got here Long before God became flesh And and a baby was born in a manger Way before that In some of the first pages of the Bible We read about the death of Jesus It's on page 10 where, Where the devil is told in Genesis 3 That he, talking to the devil God talking to the devil He will crush your head And you will strike his heel A reference to the fact that Jesus would one day crush Satan's power over sin and over death, but that Jesus would have to suffer in order to get the job done. I think that one of the strongest reasons to believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus are the amazing prophecies that were made about Jesus and about Jesus' death. Centuries, hundreds of years before Jesus ever showed up. In the Old Testament, for instance, there are prophecies that Jesus would be sold out for 30 pieces of silver. These prophecies were made hundreds of years before Jesus was here. And if you know the story, if you are here last week, we talked about this. Judas fulfilled that prophecy by betraying Jesus with a kiss and being paid 30 pieces of silver for doing it. In several other places, it was prophesied that Jesus would be pierced If you know the story, you know that a Roman soldier pierced the heart of Jesus when he hung on the cross just to make sure he was dead. Prophecy after prophecy describes not only the life of Jesus, but describes his death. 800 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah would describe his death this way, in Isaiah 53. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's paths to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. The one person who was not in shock about the death of Jesus was Jesus. He saw it coming. That's why he came. He came to die. He came to die as a sacrifice for the sins of the people that he loved. He came to die for you. He came to die for me. Which brings us to the second thing I need you to know about the cross. Jesus' death was a voluntary death. In other words, Jesus chose to die so we could live. Jesus recognized that we could not live eternally, forever. We could not do that on our own because of the sin that we have in our life. So he chose to die so that we could live. Now, throughout the years in in religion and Christianity and and all of it, in theology, the the circles, there's been this debate that's gone on for years, and it's it's kind of raised its head up again the last couple of decades even. But the debate is, who was it that killed Jesus? Who murdered Jesus? And you need to know this. This is important, because you need to know that the Jews did not really kill Jesus. And you need to know that the Roman governor Pilate didn't really kill Jesus. You need to know that the centurion who who put put the nails in Jesus' wrist and in his feet and then stabbed his heart, that that soldier, he didn't really kill Jesus either. You need to know this. It was my sin that killed Jesus. It was your sin that killed Jesus. And the only force in the world that was strong enough to keep Jesus on the cross was the grace that he knew he would be able to offer for your sins to be forgiven and for my sins to be forgiven. So really, really, nobody is more responsible for the death of of Jesus than I am, than you are. I suspect by now most of you are at least familiar if you've not seen the movie the passion of the christ it's an incredible film in many different ways it portrays in very vivid detail the crucifixion of jesus and and no matter what you feel about the producer and the director of the film mel gibson i love this one particular story about mel gibson and the making of this film Um, if you if you see the scene it's the scene where the roman soldier is nailing jesus to the cross and maybe you'll watch the movie this week i'm sure it'll be on as we head into easter week but if you watch closely you'll notice that when it comes to actually the the nails actually being driven into uh, the the hands of jesus it's not it's it's not a a wide shot it's a close-up of just the hand of jesus and a hand holding a spike and a hand holding a hammer it it was done that way very intentionally Because Mel Gibson said, I don't want the actor to be seen there. I want it to just be the hands. And Mel Gibson says, I want it to be my hands that nailed Jesus to the cross because it was my sins that put him there. You see, that's the reality for all of us. It's our sin that put him there. But it was Jesus' love for us that allowed him to stay there. In fact, Jesus even said this about himself in John 10, No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Jesus understood exactly what he was doing. But Let me tell you something that makes this voluntary sacrifice even more amazing. History tells us, we back up, oh, 25 years or so before Jesus was crucified. History tells us that when Jesus was a kid, a young, young man at best, probably eight, nine years old, somewhere in there. When Jesus was a kid, up in the northern part of Israel, a part of Israel called Galilee, it's the part of Israel where Jesus grew up, history tells us that there was an insurrection that kind of an uprising that came against rome rome occupied all of israel at this point in history and so this insurrection came up so they tried to kick rome out of israel up there in galilee and the roman army crushed this rebellion crushed it eliminated this rebellion And so what would happen, anytime that the Romans would have to deal with with any kind of insurrection or uprising, they would want to send a message, a very loud, a very significant message to anyone else who was thinking about doing this, that this will be crushed. This will be put down if it happens. So what they did, again, up in Galilee, when Jesus was just a boy, what they did was they crucified, the Romans crucified an Israelite rebel Every 10 meters down the main highway through Israel, the Via Maris, for 10 miles, they crucified almost 2,000 men, women, and children, crucified them on the main road through Israel so that everyone would know, you don't mess with Rome. And Jesus, the boy, would have seen this happen he would have seen the torture and the pain he watched that happen it happened in his neighborhood he saw it jesus knew exactly what he was signing up for when he said i must go to jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed and on the third day be raised alive Jesus' death was an expected death. It was a voluntary death. Here's the third thing I want you to know. Jesus' death was a distinctive death. There's some beautiful pictures of the crucifixion in Luke chapter 23. You can go and read it this week. There's some amazing things. Luke tells us some of the amazing things that happened on the day that Jesus died. But here's why this matters to us. Here's why these details matter to us. It's important that we remember that our faith Is not based on a philosophy. Our faith faith is based on history. The reason that we are Christians today is not because being a Christian makes me feel confident or makes me not be afraid of the dark. The reasons that we are Christians today is because something happened in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago that is historically undeniable. The night that Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane there on the Mount of Olives. We talked about that last week. He was arrested, betrayed, then arrested. He was beaten. He was imprisoned. Basically, he's drugged from one illegal trial to the next all night long. Around 6 a.m. on Friday morning, the first hour of the Jewish day, the Roman flogging started. That's a that's a whipping. Around 9 o'clock that day, Jesus had begun to carry his cross through Jerusalem to Golgotha, this hill where the crucifixion would take place. Not much longer after that, he was nailed to it. By noon, the sixth hour of the Jewish clock, he had suffered on the cross for three hours. By 3 o'clock that afternoon, the ninth hour, Jesus was dead. He was on the cross from nine o'clock until three o'clock, and during those six hours of torture, some pretty unusual things began to happen that really caused people to think. At noon, the sun goes dark. Apparently, it got so dark that it started freaking people out. It got dark and it stayed dark for three hours. Luke 23 says it like this: By the time it was by this time it was noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. There's no explanation for this darkness. You cannot have an eclipse of the sun anytime time near a full moon. Passover always happens on a full moon. The great theologian and writer Warren Weersby said this, it was, as, it was as if all nature was sympathizing with its creator as he suffered and died. I'm sure later on, Jewish people would remember and tell stories about three days of darkness that their ancestors had dealt with in Egypt as God was freeing them, setting them free from captivity and slavery in Egypt. And I think it wouldn't have taken them very long to connect the dots to three hours of darkness when Jesus hung on a cross. They would have been talking about those three days just the night before Passover. I think a second thing that makes this death distinctive was that the temple temple curtain was ripped in two verse luke 23:45, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle this was an amazing unsettling miracle of god let me show you why if you can imagine with me the the shape or the architecture of the temple it was laid out the floor plan if you will of the temple was laid out in a series of rectangles that got smaller one inside of the other inside of the other And each of these rectangles is kind of like an object lesson to help you realize that the closer you get God will be in the middle of this the the closer you get to god The the, the less people are able to get there that there's a separation from people and god because of sin And so the architecture of the temple Was this great object lesson to teach that Let let me show you Uh, on the outside of the temple around the outer uh, Outer walls outer room if you will of the temple anybody was welcome to go there anybody could be there jew gentile men women didn't matter anybody was welcome on the outside and you go into the next the next level if you know the next ring or the next rectangle only at this point only jewish people were allowed in so us us gentiles we had to stay out here so only jews could go in here the next ring the next level only uh, only men were allowed sorry ladies but only men jewish men were allowed in this ring see every level is a little more inclusive or exclusive it, eliminating more and more people as we get closer and closer to god the next ring in only the levites that was one of the tribes of israel the levites that's where the priests all were, were all levites only the levites were allowed in the next next ring the next ring the next ring was was uh, the, the, the uh, was only the um only a select group of the priests so you had the levites here the next group of the holy place is what it was called only a certain group of priests were allowed in this in this room And then inside of that, there was one more spot. It was called the Holy of Holies. And separating the Holy of Holies from the Holy Place was this curtain, nice, big, thick, velvet curtain that hung separating the Holy Place. And into the Holy Place is where they kept the Ark of the Covenant. The Holy Place was the spot that was considered to be the most holy place on the planet. They thought, the Jewish thought, the temple worshipers thought, that's where God lived. This is where God was. And into that most holy place through the curtain, behind the curtain, only, only the high priest, one person, the high priest was the only one allowed to go into that place. And he was only allowed to do it one time a year. And he was only allowed to do it one time in his lifetime. So every ring, every level, becoming more and more exclusive, demonstrating there's a distance between God and people because of our sin. And ultimately, it was was blocked off with this curtain. But when Jesus died, at the death of Jesus, that curtain that hung between the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and the holy place, that curtain ripped in two from top to bottom in a dramatic way of saying that separation between all of mankind and God is now removed because of what Jesus did on that cross forgiveness is now available to everybody access to god is now available to everybody through jesus matthew and mark tell us that the curtain was was ripped was torn from top to bottom as if god himself took it and went ripped it in two so that we would have access to god through the death of his son well, back in the day, of course, the curtain being split, this was quite the scandal in the temple, and the Jewish, the Jewish leaders got together. They tried to sew it back together. But in God's mind, the separation was over. There were some other very distinctive events that happened as well at the death of Jesus. But I think maybe the most amazing thing that happened was the life change that happened as Jesus died. Jesus made only seven statements from the cross, but in those seven statements and how Jesus died, lives were changed by the people who were there. One of the criminals on a cross next to him received forgiveness and was saved. The heart of a Roman soldier who nailed Jesus to the cross was changed by how Jesus died. Listen to how Mark describes it in Mark 15. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he died. He exclaimed, this man truly was the Son of God. This soldier had had a moment. What what was it? What was it that made him change his mind from surely this man must die to surely this man was the Son of God? When did the soldier's heart change? I, I, I don't know. But apparently, how Jesus died changed everything for him which by the way that's one of the reasons i really want to encourage you to invite your friends and family to join you next sunday morning on easter sundays we worship together because just seeing what jesus did still affects people's lives it did back then it still does today well here's the fourth thing the last thing i want you to know about the death of jesus and that is jesus died an atoning death an atoning death jesus came to atone for our sins that's a big theological word atone say it with me just say it atone atone See now you're a theologian now you know what this word means are you you know the word let me tell you what it means it's really easy to figure out what it means the the, the definition of this word is right in the word atone means to make at one at you see it now at one to make two divided parties to make them at one again you see all through the bible We are taught that the worst thing about our sin is that it alienates us. It separates us It keeps us away from god It separated adam and Eve from god all the way back in the garden of eden in the first couple of chapters of the bible And it still ever since has driven a gap between people and god. That's what sin does That's why paul said in first corinthians 15 christ died for our sins To make us at one again with god. That's why he died The death of Jesus was not a human rights violation that just got out of control. His death was intentional. It was an atoning sacrifice for people who have a hopeless sin problem. Jesus died a substitutionary death. He died for my sins. He died for your sins. He took the punishment for sins on himself. Jesus chose to become sin so we could be free from sin. Let me say that again because it's a little confusing. Jesus chose to become sin so we could be free from sin. Don't believe me? Paul says the same thing, 2 Corinthians five twenty-one. 21. one are my favorite verses in the Bible. God made him who had no sin, talking about Jesus, the one who had no sin, to be sin for us. James Stewart old scottish pastor tells the story about being in a church service one day and just watching this amazing thing happen he said it was during the serving of communion in this old scottish church and there was a young lady there in the service that day who was obviously very uncomfortable with all of it and so when the communion trays kind of came her way she just kind of passed the tray on to the next person and just broke down sobbing Well, she had passed the tray to an elderly gentleman who was sitting next to her, who gave her a moment to control herself, to compose herself, and then handed the tray back to her and said to her these words. Take it, Lassie. It was meant for sinners just like us. It was meant for sinners just like us. I'm going to invite you to join me today in a time of communion. If our community team will go ahead and take their places. Let me invite you to take the emblems and remember the atoning, the at one that Jesus made on the cross. Let me pray for you and we'll pass these emblems and we'll take them together. God, I want to thank you this morning. I thank you that every one of the people that you brought into this room today, every one of the people that's tuned into this broadcast today, that you know every single one of us by name. You, you know our faces, you know our names, you know our hearts. Scripture says that you know every hair on our hips. And God, I pray that in this moment that you would help us to remember how personally you love us. And we want to thank you for that love today. God, we thank you for allowing Jesus to take our place. We thank you for the sacrifice being made on our behalf. And so at this moment, as we prepare our hearts and minds to share in communion, at this moment, we receive that sacrifice. At this moment, we make it ours. So we can be at one with you because of what Jesus did. At this moment, we make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of our lives. God, I pray that over these next few moments, as we participate in communion together, that this moment would impact us. We pray that the cross would change us in all the ways that you intend for it. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the crucified.